Gracious God, may only your words be spoken and your words be heard. Amen. This evening, today, this Good Friday, I find myself wrestling with a very basic question about Good Friday. It's the kind of question that young children or adults who've had little to no church background to ask, but it's a good question and a question which perhaps many adults with a lot of church experience have wondered about and perhaps been too embarrassed to ask about. And the question is this, if Good Friday is the day set aside in the church calendar to recall the burial, sham trial, abandonment, torture, suffering, and death of Jesus, if those events are the sole focus of this day, why is it called Good Friday? What's good about it? I've wrestled with that question, and here's my best stab at not so much an answer, but a way of wrestling even harder with that question. What's good about Good Friday is that on that first Good Friday, God met humanity at its worst and absorbed it. What's good about Good Friday is that on this day, we remember that that first Good Friday, it was not merely a prophet or a good man or even a great martyr who was betrayed, falsely convicted, abandoned, tortured, suffered, and died. But rather, it was Jesus. Jesus who we as Christians believe was both fully human and this is critically important to remember on Good Friday that Jesus was fully divine. Jesus, our faith teaches, did not only point us to God, but as we commemorate each Christmas, was God was God incarnated. Jesus was God in carne, God in flesh. Jesus was God in flesh. And even though the creeds are not said on Good Friday, the words of our creeds, which we say each Sunday, matter, perhaps, on Good Friday more than ever. Jesus, Christians believe, was God from God, light from light, true God from true God, and was of one being with the Father. Why am I dwelling so much on this? Why does that matter? Because it means that on that first Good Friday, God took everything that is bad about humanity upon God's own self 
and took that up onto the cross and down into the grave. On that first Good Friday, God in Jesus met humanity at its worst and took it on, absorbed it. God met humanity at our worst in Gethsemane when Jesus was betrayed. And who betrayed Jesus? Not a distant enemy, not a Roman, not even one of the religious leaders whom Jesus had repeatedly provoked. The ones who abandoned and betrayed Jesus were his closest followers. Jesus knew the Psalms. As Judas kissed him, would Jesus have thought of Psalm 55? Had it been an adversary who taunted me, I could have borne it. Had it been an enemy who threw himself against me, I could have hidden from him. But it was you, a man after my own heart, my companion, my own familiar friend. The ones who abandoned and betrayed Jesus were his hand-picked followers, his disciples, his own familiar friends. Human behavior at its worst, betrayal. God met humanity at our worst when literally during Jesus' time of trial, a young servant girl says to Peter, you were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. And Peter says, I do not know or understand what you're talking about. And later in his trial, she says to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, Peter denies it. And after a little while, the bystanders themselves say to Peter, you are one of them. You're Galilean. And he begins to curse and swears an oath. I do not know the man you are talking about. Isn't one of the most gut-wrenching elements of the passion Peter's denial? At supper with Jesus just a few hours before, Simon Peter had said to Jesus, Jesus, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. Humanity, at its worst, cowardice, or at least fearful weakness, turning our back to those we love in order to save our own skin. God met humanity at our worst that first Holy Week when the same people who were on that first Palm Sunday greeting Jesus with joy, cheering, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in God's name. Yes, here's the King of Israel. The same crowd was crying out less than a week later, krill him, crucify him. How quick we are to turn against God and God seems to no longer be meeting our needs or fulfilling our expectations. Once I was running indoors on an ex in an exercise room on a, on a treadmill machine, and there was a warning sticker that caught my eye that was attached to this treadmill. And the warning sticker said, if you should experience discomfort or feel out of breath, discontinue use of this equipment immediately. <laughs> now I thought to myself, what kind of exercise would anyone get if at the first sign of discomfort or shortness of breath, they quit? 
it got me to thinking that maybe a similar warning sticker is attached to the baptismal fonts of our churches. If your faith should ever become uncomfortable for you or make you feel winded, discontinue immediately. It's humanity again at our worst. Going along with the faith as long as it serves our needs or reinforces our opinions or furthers our causes. But when it calls us to enter into mystery or into the sacrificial shadow side of life, we walk away. And finally, God met humanity at our worst when Jesus was sentenced and crucified, when Jesus was mocked, whipped, slapped, spat upon, nailed to a piece of wood, and left to suffocate to death. Everyone is horrified, and rightly so, by this bloody, brutal, sadistic depiction of Jesus' scourging and crucifixion. But I wonder what caused Jesus to suffer more, the whips or Judas's kiss, Peter's I don't know him, or the crowd's away with him, or our blasé indifference toward him. Jesus did suffer, heart and body. Good Friday is not merely about a sacrificial death. If it were, if Jesus was about a mere sacrifice, a quick slitting of the throat would have done. No, God in Christ suffered for a long time. Why? to leave no doubt that in Jesus, God met humanity at our worst, at our worst, at your worst, at my worst. When God came to humanity trying to make God's love known, these are the ways that humanity responded. It's often said that our sins stand between us and God. While that's true, I have come to believe more and more that practically speaking, it is not our sins themselves, but our unwillingness to let go of them that stands between us and God. What is your sin? What have you done or left undone? What is your shame? What, is, what action? What hard-heartedness? What anger? What cruelty, what unforgiveness, what betrayal, what theft, which adultery, what murder? Do not think that it is more than God has seen before. Hear this little poem by James Thompson. Once, in a stately passion, I cried with desperate grief. O oh Lord, my heart is black with guile. Of sinners I am chief. Then stooped my guardian angel and whispered from behind, Vanity, little man, you're nothing of the kind. I don't think it's our sins that keeps us from God. 
I think it's our unwillingness to let go of our memory of them so that we can stay in control of the transaction of grace. So what's your worst? God has seen worse. God has felt worse. God has taken on worse. In Jesus that Good Friday, God took the worst that we, that you and I had to offer, took it onto the cross and down to the grave. On this day, we are reminded that on that first Good Friday, God took everything that is bad about humanity onto the cross and down to the grave. In Jesus Christ, God took our betrayal, our cowardice, our fearful weaknesses, our faithlessness, our hatreds, our cruelties. He took our evil, sinful nature onto the cross and down into the grave and refused to let it be the last word. What's good about Good Friday is that Easter Sunday does not gloss over humanity's brokenness and does not look the other way, but rather takes it on fully to fully defeat sin with redemption, to fully defeat evil with good, to fully overcome hate with love, to fully bring life out of death. That is why it's called Good Friday. 